spectacular. Shafee, I mean, Matthew. Matthew, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> rolling, rolling, rolling. Roll. Night has fallen on the side of the planet features Austin, Texas. The sticky weeds of spring are dominating the landscape here in my backyard. Those are cleavers. We can talk about that later. I am super stoked to be introducing you, the listener, to episode 164 of One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. I would say that in the pantheon of podcasts, we are there. There with the cosmos of other podcasts right there, recording stuff and posting it for all to hear. Speaking of hearing, my ears could use a song parody right about now. And fortunately, my PCAST, Ride or D, is right here by my side. Since I'm spieling the introduction, he must have a song parody loaded and ready to go. You're doing a song parody. Okay. Uh, Like me, I'm sure the suspense is killing you, the listener. Innocent bystanders in the annals of pod lore. Let's welcome the man who needs no introduction, which if that were true, I would have stopped talking by now. He's the proprietor of your favorite third place. He's all about that bass, no treble. He might be your driver the next time you call a ride share. He's Schaefer Hall. Okay, before I start this, I just want you guys to know, I checked through the podcast notes, all 120 pages of them, them, or wherever we're at now, Uh to see if maybe we had done this. I didn't see it, but... It wasn't like I could do a word search for any of these words or anything. Okay, all right. So, maybe we've done it before, maybe we haven't. Apologies if we have. Okay. <laughs> but no apologies necessary. Here we go. Uh, here's a story about Shafee and Matthew. Two fellas in the middle of a worldwide flu. One day they said, hey, let's turn on the mic and get lewd. Talk to the people about comedy, comfort, and commune. Go on, turn the mic on and cast. Go on, turn the mic on and cast. Go on, turn the mic on and cast. Oh, no! Go on. Is the mic on, Matthew? Yes. Well, then let's cast. Shafee, that is by far your best song parody. (laughs) So far, really great. You did that thing that you said you loved, which is replace every word and make it really about the podcast. Not You didn't just say some song lyrics and change a word to podcast, which is how this all started, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that was great. Both, both styles of parody are legit. I really, I enjoyed that. You know I love <clears throat> the Steve Miller band. And to your knowledge, have we done that before? I don't think so. But it's which feels you're like, not sure either, are you? <laughs> uh, I am. You know, I have a pretty good memory, and I, I wrote most of them. So, so my backup was going to be Jack and Diane. Have we ever done that one? I don't think so. All right. Well, if you want, you can take that one. No, Otherwise, no, that, I'll do no, it for you my take. Next, yeah, you, you do for my next switcheroo. Next switcheroo. I love great. a good switcheroo. Uh, also. I love a good episode of One Magical Hour, Matthew Schaefer Podcast Spectacular. I'd like, I don't know how many of you out there in One Magical Nation drink while you're listening to the podcast, but if you do have a drink in your hand, I'd like to raise it to Matthew because you did such an awesome job. You may not know this from listening to the cast, or maybe you, maybe well, you we didn't notice. Oh, we didn't. I said, we said, well, I said what was happening. Oh, you didn't. 
Yeah. Okay. And then at the end, I said, mm, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. You did. You did an awesome job of stitching that. We had some. I guess. I guess. It turns out you guys do know this. I thought y'all didn't know this. We had some real technical issues recording the last one, like whether it was our internet or you know maybe it was the website that we use. We don't really know. It just kept dropping, saying that it was dropping the signal. Turned out it wasn't dropping the signal, but we kept restarting. And Matthew had to patch everything together like Doctor Frankenstein. And we had to we had to rewind and start talking again. If you listen, oh, yeah, ca- if, like you listen if you listen carefully, <laughs> like we'll be talking about something, and then suddenly we're talking about it in a much <laughs> less excited tone, <laughs> we're like way less engaged. Um, yeah, it worked out. I'm glad we didn't just scrap it. Uh, Matthew, I'm really excited about our. We got some good stuff today. News crews, Wittemudis or Matthew? Have you ever wondered? Wittemudis <coughs> um, well, is my favorite segment these days for sure it's certainly my favorite acronym for a segment uh but i wanted to do a callback to a previous episode or yows do you remember when you were talking about you proposed the idea of having something that would answer your texts for you yes i saw have you seen it's this t- i saw an t- advertisement. T- you're talking about take a nap yeah take a nap uh, <laughs> i saw an advertisement for a thing, have you seen this called Grammarly? Oh yeah, I've seen Grammarly. That recomposes your texts in in better. To make grammar. sure that you know. I guess maybe it works for emails too. I don't know, uh-huh. but obviously it's one 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 of the ways they're using this AI software to improve your online communication and your mobile communication. Which to, okay, so that's interesting. I think whatever that's great. Um, it's it's an interesting way of using it. Uh, I'll tell you though, I personally, I'm a little, I guess you could say my nose is out of joint or, oh, we, go? we got to turn a phrase here. I'm a little, uh, that I think, I think that is my the turn of phrase. My, Your nose is a little out of joint. I'm a little, I'm a little upset about this because as anybody out there who texts with me knows, yeah. I pride myself on carefully composed texts that are grammatically correct and it's you know it's part of my it's part of my uh my my flavor my flavor you know my shtick you know okay i'm sorry it's, it's what i was looking up noses carefully composing you know if i send you a text okay the yeah. capitalization is going to be correct the punctuation is unless i make a mistake which is entirely possible right but i try to you craft i don't words. like i don't try to skip if I do like spell tonight N I T E or you know use the letter U for for you, I'm just being funny. And right, uh-huh. it's a conscious decision. Yes, it's not something that I do all the time to save time while I'm texting, which I've never really understood. Right, doesn't really take I, very long. I really despise like <laughs> when people use like you are for your <laughs> your you know you are I, and all. Which all, I think that's strictly an old guy thing. You realize. To not like it, yeah, I, that's fine. Um, I'm fine being, but you know, like in the way, like Prince, I am into using like Prince, language. like always use the number two, like nothing compares <clears throat> to you, and the le- and the word the letter U for you. Was he just pandering to the youth? No, that was just his 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 style, and then and my style was, and I feel like now Grammarly is selling my style to people. Oh, yeah, yeah. they're kind of, they're playing in my space. Yeah, they're biting my rhyme. I'm a little upset about it, Matthew. Now, it, now everybody's going to text just like Schaefer Hall. How many beefs do you have on the internet? Oh, I got so if, many if, beefs. If you, can, if you count, uh, I am like if you count the beef with. I'm like a butcher's refrigerator full of beef. What's that podcast we used to listen to? TBTL. Yeah. Okay. So we got Grammarly, we got the TVTL. Um, let's we don't have to make the list now, but like as we, as we just, I think it's a new segment. Shaper's beefs. Shaper's beefs. All right, all right. Let's not let's not get out of here. Now back to this Grammarly thing. So this gave me an idea. I guarantee but, but you. I gotta say, with the Grammarly, the, your beef about it is very interesting. <laughs> it's. That, 
You mean that I own correct grammar? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not that people, that lazy people who who don't care how their words look on page, they can use this tool. I need Grammarly live here. Um, They can, you know, it's not that it's not that they're wanting to be better and have this thing to, it's that they're copying you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go on, go on. Let's, let's talk more about this. So yeah, you know, just, and this, now this is something that if you like, if we really go deep on this, we're going to get dark real fast because like they say that how you talk, already there, how you talk and how you use grammar is kind of like the last way of separating classes. And, you know, you know, making those people the other and then there's you and, you know, you're above them or you're below them or whatever. Uh, So I definitely don't want to do that. I want to like, that's kind of what I like what I said about the thing about pricks. Like, if you want to do it a different way, that's fine. And that can be your flavor. And that's and we all express ourselves in different ways. But I don't like that they've come along with this. This. uh a special thing that an, an makes everybody tool. do what I do. Yeah. Okay. Because, like, I don't, I, mean, I don't know if you know, but not very many people bother with correct grammar over text. Like, I it just doesn't happen. Really, like, I see that. If you just go a little bit of an extra mile, like, it really sets you apart. Now, why I would want to necessarily be set apart, you know, there's. I, I feel like I'm. Not trying to copy you. Um, I do that as well. I, I'm pretty proper with yeah. tech. I write, I, I'm still into the complete sentence. See, now I'm starting to feel like it's a snobby elitist thing and I'm starting to feel uh, bad about no, it. No, no. Well, boy, this really turned around. Oh, I know. I told this, you this. this boy. Uh, no, no. Hold, hold the line, sir. Okay. Stand firm because what you were just saying. How you use the language can define your class and what that does for people is anyone, regardless of their background, their genetic makeup, their circumstances can be educated and anyone can rise and be an upper class citizen by just taking the time and the care to learn the language and use it appropriately, whatever language that may be. I'm not this. I'm not being English centric about this. I know that um, certainly in the Spanish world is this the same thing. And and then uh, you know uh, maybe that's not your goal to be part of the upper class. Maybe you uh, want to exist in your whatever world you exist in, and you are defined and accepted in that world because of your slang or your... Yeah, well, I'm trying um, to think, like, the person who would use Grammarly, their goal is to not, you know... It seems like... It's to not be be out of the running for a job. It's like corporate communications, yeah. Yeah. And that, like, I don't think... And, and you know, I don't think that somebody should not be... should be overlooked for a job because they text in incomplete sentences. You know, I I don't think that... uh, if you use the word the le- the number two to mean the the word to, I think that's fine. And uh, you know, I think it's a homophone. It doesn't it doesn't reflect on your ability to do a job in any way. You of know? course, or your ability to unless your job entails using the language <laughs> properly on a daily basis. Yeah, which but many, even then, many jobs do. Even then, you can just be decided that these rules don't necessarily apply to texting. I know the rules if I'm going to write a scholarly paper, and they're different rules, you know. Sure, sure. Anyway, I think it's fine to be scholarly on text. I like that. I like your style. Yeah, I hope you don't feel like I'm on, on your bandwagon. When no, I'm no. The, the, I know I, that I, I don't. I don't we, do, we 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 sort of went off on a tangent when I mentioned the complete sentence, like. That seems to me a, a a a bit of an oversight uh, when it comes to. Is that your car alarm? You were just checking, maybe. Um, <laughs> when it comes to this new world way of being brief and 
flippant on texts or whatever, you know, I find that if you don't get into the complete sentence thing, not that I'm doing that here, uh, you, it, it makes it harder to communicate. It gets real confusing. The brevity, the brevity, like, doesn't get your point across in the same way if you just um, go long form to me. And this is a problem. This is kind of, you know, and that's, yeah, that's one of the, I, I feel like it doesn't happen as much now as it did when we first started using text a lot. You remember like you, like you would be, you would get confused about what a person's implication was and you're like, oh, is this person mad about this or yeah. not? You know, uh -huh. I feel like that's, I think people are starting think to people are getting intuitively understand. It. Yeah emails and texts better sure and not be like oh this person's enraged with me no no this person's just doing a hundred things in a day and well i find especially in emails and corporate communication that you need be extra polite just so that it nothing does come across as i'm constantly in my emails saying please see this attachment and and sorry for the confusion and you know, I, I'm call. I hey, just just very kind, very culpable. Like, hey, if if there was some miscommunication, that's on my end. But here, I need clarification or whatever. I did. I, I and asking people to clarify very gently and kindly. I did have a very conscientiously short and severe email I sent today to the people of Capital Reyes Beer Distributor. I thought you were going to say TBTL. No. <laughs> no. Capital yeah, Reyes. Capital Reyes, the old capital beverage, merged with Wright Distributing and then purchased by a much larger company, Reyes Distributing. Go on. A distributor that I would have kicked to the curb months ago, maybe even years ago, except for the fact that that's where we get Guinness. I see. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm at the point now. So Capital Right was garbage. Like, your reps for them were terrible. They weren't. Yeah. Yeah, they never showed capital right, and the capital right wanted you to get your order in on a Friday for delivery the following Friday. Oh, how do you do that? You couldn't if you were say out of Guinness on a Tuesday. Oh, you couldn't get it that Friday. Oh my, okay. If you if you ordered it then, it would be delivered the following Friday. Okay, real real annoying. There, now, there used to be, like, the personal touch, and you could get a hot shot. So. But maybe that's all. No, that's long side. gone. I see. No. Currently, and I, so I talked to James, you know, our buddy over at Flood, uh, formerly of Waller Creek Pubhouse, about this. And apparently, yeah, they, apparently Capital Reyes has everybody in rage. They are having people, they, they, they basically said, so today... I did not get my delivery. There was I, I put in delivery last week uh -huh. for a few cases of domestic tall boys and a keg of Guinness. It was supposed to be delivered yesterday. It wasn't. Today I emailed them. Uh -huh. They said, oh, yeah, we cut that order because of staffing issues. Oh, man. They're like, we can either get it to you next Tuesday or you can come and it'll be at will call you in our warehouse. Pick it up. Oh, God. And wow. I like I'm already trying to get rid of these guys. So like I'm like, no way in hell. If if it comes to, you know, me having to drive there to pick up a keg, then I'm definitely going to find somebody else to do this, you know, to find some other way. We're not gonna have Guinness anymore, you know. Oh man. We're gonna have nitrogenated dry Irish stout from Pint House. They do a fine job. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I see. Okay. And uh yeah, we're just gonna have to get over it. And, wow. and, uh, and do that. So, wow, man. And apparently the people, this according to James, the why people didn't you who, lead off the podcast with this? the people who did go out there, found themselves in a line with like 50 people. Oh no. To try to, oh, oh, trying to get their car loaded with whatever from the warehouse. Wow. Okay. So well, it's, it's, it's really staggering. It's good to hear that that all, all fell apart. <laughs> right after I left. No, it was falling apart <laughs> as I was walking out the door. Well, it was part of the reason so, I was headed out the door as things were things were coming apart. So I believe 
Oh, it's and it's so funny because now that I'm reflecting on it, you know, in my head, I sent them. I was enraged and I sent them a severe email. I think my, the, my, my, what my email actually said was <laughs> in the future, please inform me if you're not going to be delivering an order that you had already confirmed. <laughs> it's pretty good. I mean, and that still sounds pretty polite. Uh, you were pro- you were writing it in rage, but it probably yeah. came across as like just barely irritated. <laughs> so, and it sounds like it's there's nothing they can do about it. They're only servicing like large accounts, massive accounts, right? Before I lose my train of thought, back to Grammarly, and then your idea. Remember about text? Yeah, Take I T K and A P. When I was thinking about this while driving around today. It, it occurred to me to use these AI chatbots, and I guarantee you somebody is already working on this. Okay. If you're online dating, you know, you uh-huh. see a, you, you match, you see somebody's profile, they have their likes, their dis, dislikes. There needs to be a, an AI chatbot where you send them somebody's profile, and then the chatbot sends you back like 10 possible opening lines so that, uh, uh Oh, the chatbot. So you, so you use the profile, reviews the profile and says, here are 10 different ways to open the conversation. Okay. Here's some funny ones. Here's some sexy ones. Oh, here's wow. some, and then you can pick from, from those and then use it. And then, you know, and then you can send the response back. There's like, here's 10 possible responses. You can say, I want to go funny. I want to go sexy. I want to go flirtatious, you know? So we're in this, we're moving into this space in the world where it was already hard to tell the truth. Yeah. What's yeah. the truth. And now with all these AI uh, options and advances, who knows what's the truth now? Right. And with, you got your deep fakes and you got your, your deep filters so maybe what's going to happen, hopefully, it's going to start. It's going to be like, well, you're going to have to meet this person in person again. You know, you're not, you're not going to be able to do it all, unless you don't mind talking to a robot. You know, so you're you're talking to a robot and you don't even know. So have you heard of this thing, this new TikTok filter? The bold glamour filter. Have you heard about this? Oh, that's for catfishing? No, it's just for like, it's just for making yourself look amazing. Well, that's a form of catfishing, isn't it? In your TikTok video. Look, see, did you see that? Did you see that change? See, I think that the un. You think that the unfiltered girl is much prettier? The unfiltered girl is much prettier, yeah. Well, people are freaking out about this new TikTok filter, the bold glamour filter. I just want to, um, I just want to quickly mention that Shafi and I. Do you, do you have TikTok on your phone? I do. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, so that I can look at the weird stuff that Alex Battle sends. Oh, right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I I was still only looking at that stuff online. I still don't have TikTok on my phone. I'm not you're not really. I I you know I'm I look at social media, but but not necessarily TikTok. Partially because of the way everything is edited together in this. It's chaotic, uh, isn't it? YouTubers are doing the same thing. We're like, I, I may have already mentioned this, but the edits are so quick. And I, I know it's all about uh, attention span. It is really lowering everyone's attention span. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I do a lot of guitar lessons on YouTube. You got to just find the ones that are right for you. There's some that... uh, yeah, I'm not talking about the, there's tons of great stuff on YouTube. I'm talking about this uh, the YouTube stars of right now right there's definitely a a style that's become very popular and one of the characteristics of that style is quick edits like the edits are like this yeah to the point where they might be really talking about something interesting or doing something interesting, but the way they edit it together, like it's so glossed over and so quick and you're just, you're on to the next video so quickly, whatever it is. And 
it's destroying my kids' brains. Um, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm like, you can watch TV, but watch a show with a narrative arc. Yeah. Because even some of these channels where they do crafts or it's something that I feel like, oh, well, that's that's worth their time to watch somebody do a craft and maybe learn something. The way it's edited together is so rapid fire, fast paced that it's like, uh, there's this one guy that uh, um, he lives in Austin and he does these things that are like really cool. Um, I built an electric vehicle out of whatever, or uh, he built a, he built a skateboard out of popsicle sticks. Cool. He like glued many layers of popsicle sticks together and built a skateboard. He like, oh, he did another thing where he's like, I'm gonna build this, uh, this. I'm gonna make it look like a bush, but it's really like a hidden room. He builds hidden rooms in plain sight, where it's like he outfits it with like a little air conditioner and a video game system, but it's really. And then he goes and puts it in a park and he hides <laughs> in the room. He did one with like trash. He's like, look, I'm gonna make this. It looks like a bunch of trash together, but really there's a hidden room inside. That's so cool. It's very cool. But the, I'm telling you, the editing is just like, just slow it down a little. This is the most grampy, rampy uh, <laughs> talk we've ever had. Rampy is getting ranty. <laughs> grampy is getting ranty. Yeah. Um, um, I sound like a geezer. Matthew Ranty. Um. <laughs> but that wasn't even what we were talking about. No, no. Uh, oh, gosh. I feel like I was, I think I was talking about something. Were you talking about something? Did you I interrupt you? I, I oh, No, boy. I mean, I just I talked about the, uh, you know what? I got distracted by it. We seem to have, the weather has seemed to turn from the north. Yeah, it's it was, a little it cooler was quite out. Quite humid. This, yeah. Actually, even when I just walked from the car to here, it's I like changed. how you distracted the listener with the weather <laughs> <laughs> that they cannot feel. We should start a podcast that's just about the weather. <laughs> They're probably out there, right? Oh, but it's that you just talk about the weather of where you are while you're podcasting, and it's all about just moving around and podcasting and talking about the weather where you are. Okay. Another great podcast. I've idea. always, even before I became an old man, I've always enjoyed talking. You like about talking the about the weather. I remember when I was a sophomore in college, is when they first started doing national reporting on El Nino. El Nino. And I was so fascinated by El Nino. Yeah. Uh-huh. That like it became kind of became cool in my circle of friends to be into the weather mm. because we were all. <laughs> So captivated by some El Nino. Cool circle of friends. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, some yeah, major nerds. No don't no doubt about it. And that was before we they talked a long time about El Nino before you ever heard about La Nina. La Nina, yeah. I think that La Nina I think might have been kind of a, a, a way to fill the gap left. But once they had done all the reporting they could possibly do on El Nino, they... Well, when it wasn't an El Nino, they were like, well, we've got to... <laughs> we've we got to name the off state. <laughs> uh, happy spring, everybody. There's there's blue bonnets out on the... Uh... Yeah, have I ever told you my disdain for spring? Have I ever told you about how I don't really care for spring? I mean, when, when there's that question, which we, we got it in like a, a kid's uh, thought provoking pack. Um, if there if you could get rid of one season, what would it be? Ah, I'd say spring. But go ahead, well, make a case for spring. I, I see mean, it in your face. The only it, thing about spring that upsets me is the fact that it's a harbinger for summer. Okay, you know? okay. <laughs> spring is kind of wonderful. I like. I like I like afternoon showers. I like May flowers. Okay. I like I like when it's you know kind of warm during the day and kind of cool at night. Uh, that stuff's all great. The only thing is in Texas, if it's spring, then you know that August will be here next. Okay. Maybe that's why I don't like spring. 
because I, I just I embrace the fall and winter so hard. Oh, and like and then October it starts comes, being spring, and I'm like, yeah. And it's such a relief. Summer has its charm, not weather wise, but like, you know, you're you go do something different in the summer. Hopefully, you yeah. Know. If you're like, if there's not a right. global pandemic, and right? Pandemic, pandemic, as I <laughs> like to call it sometimes. <laughs> Um, we haven't even touched the show sheet. Let's well, let's talk about yeah. it. Oh yeah, I wanted to shout out to Nicholas, possibly our our number one. It's definitely making a bid for Superfan. Our biggest. I'd say he and Doctor Hall are kind of neck and neck right now. Maybe one Manation of Jameson close behind. Uh, yeah, they're always. Are Cat and Jeff still listening? I think that their lives have just they, gotten their a lives too changed. complicated. Yeah. That's my impression but i don't know it's a shame i miss them i think they'll be back uh yeah no doubt but uh nicholas who uh old dear friend of schaefer's discovered the podcast listened to it in its entirety is sending us these fantastic emails where he's breaking down oh and there's ellen ferguson too ellen ferguson is, she, that, is Ellen Ferguson still listening? Yeah, she regularly hits me hi, up. Hi, Ellen. On, yeah, hi, Ellen. We love you. God, we love you. Instagram. <clears throat> okay, let's say that Nicholas she, is she our... She slides into our DMs. ...is our newest yeah. biggest fan. But um, Nicholas and Ellen are both people who... And my dad, completionists. Like Ellen told me she's already listened to all of the episodes twice. And I think Nicholas is now working on that. Dad has his list and he's working through it. Wow. So these are all experts. We should have a panel discussion. <laughs> Man. <clears throat> that would definitely get that in the works. <laughs> when that anyway, a- thank you all. When that APM money finally comes in, <laughs> we're going to get the panel together. At the uh, like the NPR Broadcasters Conference? Yes. Um, One Magical Hour panel discussion. Oh. Let's see. Still recording. Still recording. Okay, good. This one says trying to connect. Um, I believe we have a Matthew. Have you ever wondered? Matthew, have you ever wondered? Matthew. Have you ever wondered? I'm living on imaginary radio. Living on that W O M H. Matthew. Yes. What What would you think I meant if I said I'm not blowing smoke up your ass? Okay, you're not blowing smoke up my ass. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. Okay, well, I think what that means is that you're telling the truth. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I would say, yeah, that's the... If you are blowing smoke up someone's ass, that means you're BSing them, right? Okay, yes. Did we talk about this before? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Go on. Nobody nobody heard that episode. I'm not sure. Uh, But do you know why we say that? I don't. (laughs) It is literally because doctors, I guess this would be the, maybe the 18th century. I don't know exactly when. I think it was the 18th century. Sounds right. Like mid 1700s. Doctors would. They they literally they thought that you could revive a dead corpse by taking bellows. Oh, we have talked about this before. and blowing smoke. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Now that now that you're telling me the. the oh, truth. that's too bad. I really. <clears throat> that's OK. No, listen, that's so no, funny because when I found oh, this out, I thought that it was new information to me. Only Nicholas. Has, <laughs> only that's <laughs> interesting because I know that you brought. The info to the to the table in the first place, but you recently relearned this. Huh? Apparently, yeah. And by by the by the river by the Thames River in London, they had stations set up where there was constantly a fire burning and a set of bellows just for if they fished somebody out of the Thames River and needed to blow smoke up their ass real quick. <laughs> and this was to check and see if they were still alive. No, to try and revive them. Oh, try and revive. Were, them. Yeah. If they were unconscious, so is there any, or dead? Let me ask you: Is there any scientific, like, I mean, I explanation don't know. for that? If you're just in a deep sleep, then 
blowing, blowing, bellows blowing smoke up your ass is definitely going to wake you up. Yeah. Just so, because the smoke is hot and irritating to your colon? But no, if you're dead, it won't make you come back to life. Okay. Uh, right. Yeah, right. So it just depends on what you mean. I see. I reviving. see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. You just had too much <laughs> laudanum for breakfast. <laughs> right? And suddenly smoke up your ass and you're like, oh, I am a, I am a I've always liked that expression and blowing sunshine up your ass is a variation. Uh, and I love to just like, like kind of mess with the phrase myself just to say it wrong. Sometimes I think it's funny to say, I'm just blowing smoke up my ass. It's <laughs> funny. Or I think I've heard you say that before and I think it really confuses people. Or stop blowing rainbows up my ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I'm just uh, blowing rainbows uh, up your ass. <laughs> I love the idea of taking a turn of phrase and just saying it not quite right, but I gotta say, I don't I don't think people think that's funny and the problem with that is because you got to be comfortable enough to just let them think you're saying it wrong. Like, I don't give a shit if you think yeah, I'm an yeah, idiot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You you run the risk of people not realizing you're saying it ironically. Like when I started saying bra. Oh, yeah. After, well, that's a different yeah, thing. Yeah. If but, you... like, but like, I that was something that was that I said, like, it seemed like 1988 bra, you know? Yeah. But it went away for. 25 years yeah and then we started saying it ironically again and then yeah i said it enough it became unironic yeah the problem is yeah you say it too and many now times it's and just, just part of my vocabulary and no no I one care, should say bra. bra well i say bra uh-huh. uh unless you're obviously joking well if you're that's like we're, that's you're where we're quoting blurring. a douchebag we're bl- well i i'm <laughs> Am I quoting myself? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Case closed. Anyway, I love that shtick. I probably got that shtick from Groucho Marx. Famous for turning phrases. Weirdly. Is that right? Huh. That was Groucho Marx's whole thing. I don't know much about Groucho Marx. Was just commenting on the fact that the things we take for granted, like the way you walk and the way you talk, or they're all affectations. And if you look at them that way, then they're very weird. So oh. that's why, you know, Groucho Marx would put on his tux and walk around in a funny way, you know? Oh. You had to be like, this is no weirder than what you're doing when you think about it, you know? Uh, makes me want to watch some Groucho Marx. Oh. That sounds interesting. Uh, is funny? Wonderful stuff. Good stuff? Shoot. The party of the first part is the first part of the party of the first part. Stay tuned for next time when we do an avocado <laughs> review of some Marx Brothers movies. Night at the Opera is the best one. Okay. If you ask me. I think that's on Netflix? It's You, you must be able to find it somewhere. But you probably can find a YouTube yeah. version of it, right? Yeah. yeah it's probably in public domain now. Um, uh, speaking of avocado reviews, uh, Downton Abbey continues to are you watching Downton please Abbey? me a great deal. Man, I keep coming. I you wish know, I like was watching with you. We've had busy way. times at the bar, and then I go out driving, and driving's been busy too. And then I come home, and I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna watch like 15 minutes while I like have some toast oh. and get ready for bed. And then you watch and two episodes. Yeah, two yeah. hours worth, and I'm yeah. like, oh my god, I'm so tired, yeah. but I can't stop. Funny. Um, Maggie Smith is just my all-time favorite actor at this point. Yeah, I'm going to... I think that when I'm done with Don Abbey, I might just restart again just to watch her more carefully. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Maybe you could get an edit of just her scene. That's I would honestly I was thinking about doing something like that, Matthew. I'm not even lying. Yeah. Gosh, funny. there was one shot the other day. They were at the train station. <clears throat> Maggie Smith plays the Dowager Countess. The Dowager right? Countess. And the shot they just did a tight shot. It was the beginning of the scene. Uh-huh. Like coming out of a, you know, commercial breaker pause or whatever. And it was just a tight shot of her hand and the top of her cane 
moving as she was walking. Oh, yeah. And it, like, said everything about her. You know, you were like, there was no question of whose hand and whose cane that was, even though it was in a glove. And yeah, it was like, oh, here comes the DC. Yeah, she's on the scene. She's like Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. She colors the whole scene. Yeah. <clears throat> she does actually have a lot in common with Darth Vader. Yeah. Huh. <clears throat> um... I like we got some news cruises here, huh? Well, uh, did you put that news cruise on there? I hope so. I put this, yeah this one, but I didn't put that BBC one on there. Yeah, I, just... I got I got a I got a news cruise to talk about. Cool. Oh wait, but but before we mention that, let's, we were talking about what we're watching. Yeah, Isabel says to Amy, "I want to watch this show, Outer Banks." And Amy's like, looks into it. She's like, that's TVMA. Um, I need to, you know, let me look into it first. And then Isabel goes and starts watching it on her profile. And then Amy's like, hey, I told you I was going to look into it. And she's like, oh, well, it's very popular. Everybody's watching it. And so I'm, I'm looking for, we say no a lot to our kids which is, I think, how you should parent. And I'm looking for opportunities to say yes. And my parents were really strict with, like, media and R-rated movies and stuff. And I didn't, I don't th- I didn't think that was really that necessary. Um, or maybe it was. I don't know. But TVMA is not an R-rated movie either, by the way. You know, it's just, like, there's some adult themes. It's, like, it's not, like, the denouement is some I mean, terror. It just, well, it just depends, right? I guess it depends, but... TVMA anyway, could be... So I said to Isabel... At first, I, I says, look, I'll look into it. And I'll decide. And and I, I went to... You know, you look at uh, Common Sense Media and, you know, some other sites that kind of give you a parental view of what what this media might be about common sense media wasn't like all down on it they were kind of like a 12 year old could watch parents say 12 kids say 12 common sense media says 15 and and i was like you know i'll just i said look i'll go watch it i'll just watch the show and i watched the first episode and it's a really good show (laughs) and and then my it's funny my friend jim walker who lives in dallas good friend of mine posted on facebook he said uh i thought outer banks was scooby-doo but it turns out it's the goonies and so it is kind of like so i mean i've only watched two episodes now but it is a bit like the goonies but there's this socioeconomic part of the story um it's it's set in north carolina outer banks and the island and and it's like the people who live on the island either have it's either their second home or they work They're for the people home, yeah. who lives in. And then there's this like group of kids. They're all beautiful. And it the the, the cinematography is very cool. It reminds me of uh, Michael Mann. You know, everything's kind of tinted a bit. And there's a lot of like movement in the cinematography. And uh, but then there's there's the group of kids. They're the Pogues. They call themselves the Pogues. And then there's the Kooks. Those are the people who with money and have their second homes. And then there's this <laughs> other group of kids. I can't remember what they call them, but it's basically the vacationers. And they, so the, the MA part is like, you know, they're teenagers and they drink beer and they cuss and they smoke. And um, But so far, the story is really fun. And I got into the show and I was like, okay, you can watch it. But listen, I'm going to watch it too. I would love it if we can watch it together, but we don't usually get to watch TV at the same time. So let's just both be watching it and then we can talk about any themes that are that are going on. In it. Yeah. So Outer Banks, so far I'm giving it like seven avocados. I, I, it's, it, it's a format that I'm not super into, which is like a mystery. I'm not really into mysteries, wow, and, but but it it's really good at building anticipation, and it just it has a certain crackle to it. I, I see, you know, it's pretty popular. They've, they've got a third season. So. Anyway, this is this this ep, this ep segment is called "How I'm a Fun Dad." <laughs> I 
I'm just thinking, yeah, it sounds like you say, you know, that you say no a lot, but you try to say yes to. That's, I mean. I look for opportunities to say yes. Especially as long as you're having the conversation about why you're saying no, you know. The main no that we're saying is like, we, we limit screen time so much. And just like I was talking about YouTube a minute ago, I would rather her watch something with a narrative arc Mm -hmm. (laughs) that has cinematography that has characters and some depth. And there's this socioeconomic intrigue to it. I'd I'd rather them watch that than just this like YouTube crap that just really shortens their attention. This is a conversation I've been having with my nephew, Shafee. Uh, You know, I'll spend a few nights a week over there, have dinner with the gang. And then we're at bedtime. I usually, I read to him for a minute and then, uh, he and his mom go and, and read in bed. I'll usually read a few books uh, while Kathleen's cleaning up or something or just having a little personal time. And I got to tell Shafee, I'm like, man, you got to pick a book with a narrative. It's okay if it's poetry, but he always, what he wants to read most are these Lego Ninjago comic books. Oh. And I'm like, comic books are fine, but they're not for reading aloud, dude. Oh, yeah. First of uh, all, the print is too small for me to see in my, <laughs> in my dotage. Yeah. But also, like, there's not there's not words, you know? You're yeah. supposed to, like, the pictures are supposed to say so much. I see, yeah. You know? And I can have a little fun, like, making the sound effects, you know, a little bit. But it just it doesn't really work when reading aloud. So I'm just, like, pick, pick just begging him. Pick something with a narrative. Pick something with words. <laughs> it's good to introduce them to long-form media in this age of brevity. LOL. The other thing, man. You're too cool. I picked... I got them a couple of Shel Silverstein books, because I loved those so much when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Man, some of those poems... I feel like they don't quite hold up, or they like they. Is that right? You know, huh. They're not not really appropriate anymore. It, there were, I, I think there, yeah, there's a lot of inappropriateness in Shel Silverstein, which you know I think is kind of the fun thing is like it's inappropriateness, but it's not it's safe inappropriateness mostly. But some of it just seems like kind of mean spirited. Oh <laughs> yeah, and, and <clears throat> well, really unnecessarily dark. You heard about but, all the editing of past writings right yeah roll doll yeah yeah taken away fat and ugly and yeah you know and uh who's another author that they were editing in future prints kipling maybe I, i can't remember i mean yeah like all of those i don't well is that it's a nicer time. I'm not going lit- to litigate the right or wrong of this, but I definitely yeah. understand why those things don't hold up, you know? Yeah. Well, let's just talk about uh, happy times and go with a news cruise. What's the robot when you need it? It's supposed to come right in. You're fired. Okay, Matthew. If it's 9.25 p.m. here, uh-huh. what time is it in New York? 8.25. 10 25. Oh, boy, I went the wrong way. <laughs> yes. And what time is it in LA? Uh in LA it's 7.25. That's right. Yeah. What time is it in Tokyo? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't, you gotta go to your phone. What time is it on the moon? Ha. Huh. That's a pickle, Shafee. Is this the news cruise or is this Matthew have ever wondered? This is the news cruise. Okay. Okay. As different countries plan lunar missions, this is from the New York Times, March 7th, 2023. Claire Fahey. As different countries plan lunar missions, the European Space Agency says creating a time zone up there may simplify things. Don't we already have that? Can't they just use Greenwich Mean Time? What time is it on the moon? Since the dawn of the space age, the answer has been, it depends. For decades, lunar missions have operated on the time of the country that launched them. I see. Okay. But with several lunar explorations heading for the launch pad, the European Space Agency has deemed the current system unsustainable. The solution is a lunar time zone. 
We're not taking the lead on this discussion. We're putting just putting a finger on a problem we need to tackle. So this is the kind of topic that needs to international coordination and consensus. Oh, good. So we know where, you know where, how good we are at that. Oh, yeah. Consensus. The main objective of establishing a universal timekeeping system for the moon is to streamline contact among various countries. We're going to work together? How to do that is happening as things are starting to get busy on and above the lunar surface. M1 lander by the Japanese company iSpace is set to arrive in April, which I didn't realize that. We'll try to deploy a rover built by the United Arab Emirates. Six-legged cylindrical robot called the Nova C, built by the Houston-based company Intuitive Machines. It's launching on SpaceX's Falcon 9, landing on the south pole of the moon in June. Additional uncrewed missions will land by the end of the year. I knew that there was a big push to the moon again. That the missions will pave way for the first crewed moon landing since Apollo 17, currently planned for 2025. It, it, isn't that insane that, like, we... We we raced to the moon and we and haven't been up there since seventy two. Yeah, it's weird. Definitely. And for a minute there, it felt like NASA was gonna go away, and we didn't care about space anymore. Not, not that we didn't care; it's just nothing was really happening. So I think you're right, Matthew. Uh, again on the podcast, GMT. They're talking about using GMT. Well, no, I'm just saying that makes the most sense to me. Well, we've already got that thing where we're like, this is the meat. By the way, this is very colonial, right? Because GMT goes through England. Greenwich. Time on Earth is precisely tracked by atomic clocks, but synchronizing time on the moon is tricky because clocks run faster there. Oh. Gaining around 56 microseconds or millions of a second per day. Oh, boy. Is that, that's weird. Why, does, why is that? I've been... Get out of here. You can explain that to me. You know, I've been to this Greenwich place. There's like a place in England. Oh, there's the Royal Observatory. Yeah. Where you can go, and there's like a line. It's like, here's where we start with time zones. Wow, that. Sorry, I, I didn't finish reading that article before I brought it to you guys. That's, oh, geez. That's really disappointing. That's kind of where it ends. It doesn't say. Yeah, yeah, I've been right here. Now, to have an actual moon time, like, there's, there's a side of the moon that's always facing the sun. Ah. Uh-huh. And a side that's always away. You know, our time is based on that trip, on night and day, and yeah. the, the rotation. The rotation does not. Well, it there. really makes you question time, doesn't it? Of course, yeah. Yeah, and the counting of time and what that means. And if atomic clocks run faster, that blows my mind. All right, I'm going to investigate that one magical hour. And I, I'm sure you that next next time we meet, I won't be able to explain it. But I'm okay, really to all right, it. we're gonna try to figure this out. Okay, my my news cruise is a little more down to earth. Did you <laughs> <laughs> did you see this thing that happened with Elon and a Twitter employee yesterday? <laughs> Jesus, no. So this guy, uh, he's from. Iceland, Holly Thorlifsson. Uh, he's a Twitter employee. And a couple of weeks ago, he gets on his computer and he's locked out of all his Twitter accounts. And he tries to contact HR. And two weeks go by and HR can't figure out if he's a if he's an employee anymore or not. And so he tweets at Elon on the platform. Here's the tweet. Dear at Elon, nine days ago, the access to my work computer was cut along with about 200 other Twitter employees. However, your head of HR is not able to confirm if I am an employee or not. You've not answered my emails. Maybe if enough people retweet, you'll answer me here. 
And well, he did. And Elon said, what work have you been doing? And then it turned into this weird, like online, like he's like interviewing for his job. Uh, and after several follow-up questions, Mr. Thorleafson supplied a list of things he had done at the company, and the exchange ended with Mr. Musk posting two laughing emojis. And then shortly after that exchange, Mr. Thorleafson said that Twitter's human resources department had contacted him and said that he'd been fired. And the exchange was shared over all over Twitter. And, uh... <clears throat> What I, I was I was trying to find in this article where like so here here was um here was Elon's criticism. He said the reality is that this guy who is independently wealthy did no actual work, claimed as his excuse that he had a disability that prevented him from typing, yet was simultaneously tweeting up a storm. Can't say I have a lot of respect for that. Um, well, so this is, this guy is an Iceland based entrepreneur whose company, you know, a creative de design agency was t sold to Twitter in early 2021. And he, as a, as part of that, he became a Twitter employee and the guy's got uh, muscular dystrophy, right? He's, he's like in a wheelchair. Wow. He, he does have a disability. And so, <clears throat> The next day, or actually later the same day, I said, I, I think that um, Elon came back and was like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I was given misinformation and they hired him back and um, they made a mistake. And the legal department got with Mr. Musk and um, was like, but, but was like, hey, listen. He, oh, he says. He said, I would like to apologize to Holly for my misunderstanding of his situation. It was based on things that I was told were, uh, I, it was based on things I was told that were untrue or in some cases true, but not meaningful. <laughs> this is after he said, he's the worst. Sorry. Um, not meaningful. <laughs> yeah. Interesting, right? What's the difference between meaning and truth? I don't know. I um, I don't know, but I I loved this this interaction because it really showed us again how Elon's a nut. Man. Did you saw where they moved the Twitter headquarters back to California? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not the Twitter, the the Tesla. Um, I'm really I really have the Schadenfreude when it comes to Elon Musk. I, you know, I don't know how you feel about him. I don't know. I was over here. I don't know enough about bashing him. at him, bashing him. I don't know in what manner and to what extent he has actual mental issues. A lot like us and this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. So you don't but have, I mean, you don't and 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 I don't know, you know, how much that excuses just, you know, being shitty to another human being, right? Well, it doesn't. And uh, I thought this quote was interesting in in these articles. That that was actually from two articles. There was an article yesterday explaining what had happened, and then there was an article today explaining that Elon walked it all back, but. Uh, Mr. Thorleifson says, <clears throat> um, I'm sorry, hold on. This is extremely stressful. This is my retirement fund, a way to take care of myself and my family as my disease progresses. Having the richest man in the world on the other end of this Potentially refusing to stand by contracts is not easy for me to accept. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's a good summation of what you were trying to say. You know, when, when this individual is acting in a certain way, 
this goes back to what you were talking about, about uh, maybe uh, class and use of the language and things like that. Um, actually, I was talking about this story with Ike and, and he compared it to the Gilded Age when you had these billionaires and to, to show their, <clears throat> their power, they would buy a library or build a institution, you know, to say, uh, and to, to yeah, sort of see what people do with billions of dollars now. It's a, it is not the Gilded Age. No. Show title? Um, yeah. Things have changed, man. Man, world, you done changed. Let's do a podcast about it. The not-so-gilded age. The not-so-gilded age. Uh, that's funny. I actually picked, I picked a poem today earlier. Oh, is the poem going to be perfect for the topic? Again? All of a sudden, I think, yes. Weird. I picked this because I was just thinking about Philip Levine and uh, what, a, uh, what an influence he had on me. Do you think that <clears throat> historians in the future are going to look at the podcast and go, well, these guys clearly would choose a poem and then craft 55 <laughs> minutes of conversation that built up to the theme of the poem. From New Yorker Magazine, 1979. Actually, January 1st, 1979 issue of the New Yorker. One for the Rose by Philip Levine. One for the Rose. Three weeks ago, I went back to the same street corner where 27 years ago, I took a bus for Akron, Ohio, but now there was only a blank space with a few concrete blocks scattered among the beer cans and broken bottles and a view of the blank backside of an abandoned hotel. I wondered if Akron was still down there, hidden hundreds of miles south among the small shoddy trees of Ohio, a town so ripe with the smell of defeat that its citizens lied about their age, their height, sex, income, and previous condition of anything. I spent all of a Saturday there, disguised in a cashmere suit, stolen from a man 20 pounds heavier than I, and I never unbuttoned the jacket. I remember someone married someone, but only the bride's father and mother went out on the linoleum dance floor and leaned into each other like whipped school kids. I drank whatever I could find and made my solitary way back to the terminal and dozed among the drunks and widows toward dawn and the first thing north. What was I doing in Akron, Ohio, waiting for a bus that groaned slowly between the sickened farms of 1951 and finally entered the smeared air of hell on US 24, where the Rouge plant destroys the horizon? I could have been in Paris, at the foot of Gertrude Stein, I could have been drifting among the reeds of a clear stream, like the little Moses, to be found by a princess and named after a conglomerate or Jewish hero. Instead, I was born in the wrong year and in the wrong place, and I made my way so slowly and badly that I remember every single turn, and each one smells like an overblown rose, yellow, American, beautiful and true. I feel like that poem is more just like about the theme of the podcast rather than <laughs> this one episode. <clears throat> the things you started saying there at the end, I was like, wow, that reminds hey, me of that Philippine hey, 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 poem I was reading that's today. Good. That was good. I love Phil, Phil Levine. He, I saw him read at uh, University of Houston back in the 90s. I'm not familiar with him, but I really was, enjoyed that poem. He was a big influence on the young Schaefer's poetry. I'm gonna try, I was thinking I might make the next couple episodes, make, make this a Phil Levine tribute month. I might read you yep. guys a few more of those. I love a tribute month. Yeah. I don't care what the tribute is. And then I we can, and then we can go back to Ada Lamone year. Okay, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Whatever, whatever it is, it deserves being celebrated for four weeks. Sure. Less. Well, that was a podcast. We love you. We want you to be kind to each other.
Thank you so much for listening, folks. Or the choices. Speed of the wine. I walk to a river I cannot swim across Every time I leave that house I run into my boss There's always someone yelling Right to my ears So I guess it's time for me to get up and get out of here Look just like my dad Every time I wag my tongue It always turns out bad And the TV keep on telling me That I should live in fear I guess it's time for me to get up and get out of here I guess it's time for me to get up and get gone Killers came to their worst and I found them alone. I followed right behind them, my dear. I don't know where you go when you go on a trip like that. Always make me circle round like a rabbit around the track. There's water in the mountain streams that run by cold. And a shovel and his heart pulled back like a trigger He held the place till he met his grace And he went to the highest bidder Sometimes this wild goes away And gets buried in the snow Sometimes she will go away That she's someone I don't know Well maybe I'll be back around Sometime next year I guess it's time for me to get up and get out of here